This here is Lenore Zan, a.k.a. Rogue. It's Cal Dodd here, voice of Wolverine from X-Men, the animated series, Bub. I want you to join me at The Uncanny Experience, the ultimate destination for X-Men fans just like you. Where you will become a mutant student at Xavier's. And be able to explore the school campus, shop the vendor hall, and meet the creators and stars of the X-Men universe. There'll be panels, parties, immersive activities all throughout the historic mansion. Whether you're a fan of the comics or the movies or the animated series, you'll find something to love. This is Chris Claremont. I'm looking forward to seeing you all at the Uncanny Experience. It's going to be one hell of a ride, Bob. I bet it will be uncanny. Get your tickets now, sugar, at the uncannyexperience.com. Welcome, everyone, to the X Factor File podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm Philip. And we are joined today by one of our friends um, and a fellow podcaster. It's Chad. Chad. Friends. Uh, well, all right. <laughs> I mean, we're we're going to meet each other for the first time this fall. So yeah, Daryl and I, in particular, we've done like nine shows together at this point. We're definitely friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. We are discussing one of the over two dozen annuals from 1993 today. It is Namor the Submariner, um, because Namor had a moment starting in, when did his solo series start? Like 89, 90? Something right around there. I, 89 sounds correct. Um, he was one of those titles that started in the big, um, right before pre-X-Men boom. So Marvel really expanded the line and they thought hey namor should get his own title and he did nice yeah um what are your thoughts on namor's title overall chad uh this specific version yeah namor namor carries so much heart with so many people at marvel he's one of the original characters uh he you know his bill everett era versus uh the early 70s stuff is so fun this run is very John Byrne uh, for the most part until it becomes something very different later on <laughs> when other professionals get involved. Uh, it's good. I think it takes him to some interesting places. It has a lot of continuity mixed in and some really crazy and sometimes problematic stories. But I like this run overall. I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, John Byrne doesn't touch this annual at all. Um, it is is written by Ron Mars. So... Um, we don't have to worry about um, burn weaving in a lot of burnisms. Um, <laughs> For the uninitiated, what is a burnism? Oh, uh, John Byrne. Um, when John Byrne is John Byrne is prickly. <laughs> yes. Um, but he also is known for doing some great things with many titles. So he did the first run. The first big story arc of alpha flight like alpha flight was his baby um back in the 80s so he did the first like 20 issues oh i like those issues so uh, far yes so like he he does a really good job when he owns a character he really owns a character and that's where the prickliness comes in because a lot of the times he will want to do something and editorial would tell him no and he would quit he would be like well, fine then i'm then and he's 
he's very public about his feuds with particular professionals, Chris Claremont, as an example. He's also a little J.K. Rowling-ish in that he said some very problematic things about some vulnerable populations. Uh, but he's a tremendous talent and has some amazing runs on a few amazing titles. Yeah, he resuscitated the Fantastic Four. Uh, um, that was the She-Hulk era, which then he did She-Hulk, sensational She-Hulk. So around the same time that he was doing Namor, he was pulling double duty. So, okay, yeah. Um, this annual, um, our brand new character, we meet her on the first big splash page. Um, it's the assassin, and she's in Tokyo, Japan. And thoughts uh, on the art, um, which, by yeah, the way, uh, we should we should confront the the artist issue of this issue. Um, every two to four pages, and sometimes every single page, um, it's a new penciler and anchor on the story yeah i'll toss out we can just do this in one line this is problematic for one specific reason the artist in this book it's written by ron mars and the artist is called gaijin studios and gaijin studios ran for many years i think 1991 to 2010 it's based in atlanta georgia and basically what we've got is it's a bunch of white guys using a japanese name because they liked it and we're seeing a very Japanese character drawn by many different American artists. And there's some tropes in here regarding women and geishas and things in Japanese culture that are uncomfortable, uh, but also kind of hilarious. <laughs> so yeah. we, could just, we could just say that in one word or one sentence, I think. Yeah, it really skirts the line of being like, oh, it's more, it's inappropriate in such an eye-rolling manner um it's it's like okay like you're doing the oh okay like it you take it with a grain of salt i think the characterizations and how they are drawn you're like this is a creature of its time um the assassin and they've already set the the setting as japan but they still have to do the asterisk <laughs> translated from the Japanese. It's like, I, y yes, I, I assumed they were in not America, so they're not speaking English. Yes. Um, this, the, this cover yeah, is beautiful. The cover is. Um, I tried to figure out who did it, and I couldn't decipher at the side of the cover what the signature was. Um, it's a painted cover, whatever it is. It's not... I don't think it's drawn. I think it's actually painted. Um, and it shows a very dynamic Namor um, grappling with a, what looks like a geisha. And she's, why even he's, got, she's even got her parasol. She does. And Namor's leg is covering his trunk, so he looks like he's not wearing anything at all. Eh, well, who's complaining? <laughs> Not I. Um, Nor is the assassin. <laughs> no. Um, she is living her Hollow Notes best life by being like a man-eater by killing the first dude who comes into her room, which seems like her lover. Yeah, he's super into her and... She's obviously not into him. They make out before she throws him across the room and then snaps his neck. And... I... This is Mimi Yoshi, is what they call her. And she's killing this man named Tsuyoi. 
and those names will matter momentarily. But uh, I do like the art. We get this like full two page spread when we open of her just like laying in repose. Uh, <laughs> there's like a, a shot of her ass as she's like turned toward him. It's very sultry. If I were heterosexual, I might really like this. Yeah. But I feel like it's a whole vibe where I think they did it in Daredevil where there's, or the Netflix show where there's blinds on a window and you get all the lights from the neon stuff around mm-hmm. the apartment that's the primary source of illumination and it creates this neat effect so that part of it's kind of cool yeah it gave an opportunity for a lot of different colors to come into play with these first few pages yes like and then each- we jump- oh, sorry no you go as i say then we jump to tokyo and we have to talk about namor's outfit here oh it's um uh- <laughs> i didn't recognize namor he looks so old yeah it's very blocky um his outfit he's just wearing brown pants a vest with koi fish on it no shirt underneath the vest and then a trench coat over that and it's a sleeveless shirt plus he's got his like uh his ponytail era with like a pearl like ponytail holder and his ears are on full display his chest is drawn in such a way it's like striated. It looks like two couch cushions coming together. Like you could lose some change down there. <laughs> like I love some striations, but that's that's too much. Um, he's, and he's trying in to Tokyo. Find, he's trying to find his way around, and he has an actual map. And he's obviously never been a tourist anywhere because he has that map out obviously trying to look where he's trying to go while he's walking it's like no no like it's not just like a little booklet map it is like the map that becomes impossible to fold and get it back into your glove compartment kind of map. like 20 pages yeah <laughs> and he's pulled into a back alley and is of course threatened because they're like this this guy is a tourist we're gonna roll him for all he's worth and um and all he's worth is like his golden wristbands. They see that. So he beats the shit out of some people. He yeah, grabs someone by the face and smashes their glasses into their face. So they're bleeding by around their eyes. And he Why says, they... you should have said you're trapped for smaller fish. <laughs> Namor always has a fish pun. Uh, and then we and then we go to uh, Mimi Yoshi, uh, and we meet Suyoi here. Suyoi died a moment ago, so just bear with us for a second. But <laughs> surprise, he's back. <laughs> it turns out Namor has this old friend named Suyoi, who he once rescued from some bad guys in Bangkok, and now they've known each other for years and stayed in touch. And now Suyoi owns a den of iniquity where there's like Japanese mythical dancers who perform. Uh, and Suyoi introduces Namor to his uh, his beautiful like, geisha girlfriend, uh, Mimi Yoshi, and she's stunning. I've, I've read some books on geishas, and it's very, very culturally sensitive for Japanese people. But there are all of these levels of uh, attainment and preparation. There's adornments put into the hair. There's uh, symbology and significance about the clothing and the hands and the way movement takes place. That's why it gets problematic when it's drawn by someone who does not understand the culture. We're just kind yeah. of throwing it on the page because oh look let's take this japanese thing and make it cool you know yep like oh i'm going to put some pink in here because because (laughs) because it works well with the other colors happening um the there's 
a whole conversation happening over the dancing happening. So, um, the dancing is beautiful. The art, the art around the dance, I think, is super pretty. Yeah, I, I hope, but now I have my doubts if this is like a real thing, like the the dancing and that they'd be there in a club, um, or is it just some white guys making assumptions? And uh, Su Yoi, he slips up here, so he uses past tense about. The, the friendship that he had with Namor. Oh. And Namor catches him and Suyoi, fake Suyoi, um, says, oh, I misspoke. Obviously, forgive me. So, it's not a perfect ruse. No. Uh, and then uh, then we go back to Namor's chambers and Mimiyoshi. Namor is like super... I don't know. He's he's horny all the time, of course. He's but... horny all the time, and he also did the hundred strokes with his brush on that hair. <laughs> Can I swear on your show? I don't remember if swearing. Yes. So Mimi Yoshi comes into his room, and she is dressed in the like Hellfire Club gala ready. Well, not gala ready, but like those like basement parties that they have. Like <laughs> she's in a corset that Emma Frost would be proud of, and she wants to fuck so bad. And, she does. and he's like, no, 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 you need to be more proper. So she literally leaves, puts her full geisha suit back on and then comes back. And then Namor's like, no, we can't fuck. You're my friend's wife. But he just <laughs> jumps on her anyway. Uh, this whole scene is ridiculous. It's so bad. And although the Hellfire reference, I feel like, is really good because her the pattern of what she came in the first time looks like the fabric from Lourdes. <laughs> no with like the the black pattern on on yellow and so they're making out and she has a little needle finger that comes out and she stabs him like deadpool's new uh significant other oh yeah valentine and she and namor him. and namor's wearing green swim trunks with like a pink bathrobe over it which is just so gay <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, oh, did you just try to poison me? Like, did you try to drug me? It's not going to work. And he just cocks her across the face. Just decks her. And it's like, what? Like, he jumps to action. And I will say there's more violence in this book than I was anticipating. I didn't know that Namor was going to be all action all the time. I Have you met Namor? <laughs> Action some way or another. Um, so he, she snaps back to attention, and then he figures out, like, maybe there's something not quite right with her. Because my fist did not do what I thought it would. Yes. And, and she uh, she tosses him against a, a brick wall, and he <laughs> cracks the bricks. I appreciate the her palming his face and, and then throwing him by the, like, face. Like, whoop! Um, and then he crashes through a glass coffee table because it is the 90s. So all coffee tables were mostly glass and um, all dangerous when you're getting into a fight with uh, a geisha who is uh, oh, yeah. obviously something more. That's like in Star Trek Next Generation, that's a thing. In all those like CBS shows that were on in the evenings when we were growing up, yeah. that was a thing. Someone's, if there's a coffee table, there's someone, glass and someone, someone's going through someone's it. Someone's going through it. Um, but it cuts Namor, open her skin and she's a she's a Cylon, you guys. <laughs> yeah, she is a Cylon. 
<laughs> I, I think I use that same. Yeah, term. and there's just that one piano tone that's happening in the background of this, like dun 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 dun. Um, he comes to, and he's uh, in a tube. He's in a tube, strapped up. And who do we get, Chad? This is where hey. the big reveal. Are you guys ready? Because this is the dumbest appearance of Apocalypse. <laughs> so dumb. He is like Saturday morning cartoon supervillain acting completely out of character. They're referencing his history. So when Namor got to the club and saw Tsuyoi, it was Apocalypse the whole time. This is not something Apocalypse does. He has shapeshifted into the form of a human, is acting like that human in order to lure Namor into a trap. Apocalypse would just fucking attack you. But we'll learn we'll learn who the assassin is. But there's there's this whole two page spread where you open it up and Apocalypse is like taking up a full page as he like spreads his way or his arms and he goes welcome to the undersea abode of Apocalypse and behind him is the assassin with a slashed open face Namor in a stasis tube, but also Apocalypse is like watching some of the X Men on screens. He's like. Uh, on screens yes. in the background, you can see Archangel and Charlotte Jones, and I think that's Colossus. It might be Warhawk. Uh, we get a note saying this occurs prior to the Executioner's song, but he's keeping Namor in a tube in a submarine under the ocean with a robot lady that he built because he wants to get another horseman, basically, and he thinks Namor's going to do it. That's This is a weird appearance for this guy. It's so strange. It took a turn. So when... I was originally reaching out to everyone and, um, you know, booking guests. And I'm like, hey, Chad, it, how about you do Namor? And you're like, there's a surprising X-Men link. And I was like, okay. And then I read it in the past week and I'm like, what the fuck is Apocalypse <laughs> doing here? What? Why? <laughs> um, and the level of how her face is slashed varies by artist. <laughs> so still changing every few pages. Yep. Um, and it, Namor's pissed. I, well, he always is. Um, yeah. yeah, guy has some anger issues and would benefit from a ton of therapy. If like a truckload of therapy needs to just dump on Namor, and then maybe he'd be okay. Maybe. Um, would you guys buy the Apocalypse's undersea lair, like uh, toy toy biz? You know, uh, it's like it's like the base for Apocalypse to stay in. It's like eighty dollars in like nineteen ninety three. No, what I would get is I would go to the clearance section and get a playset for Waterworld and just put Apocalypse <laughs> in it. Another reason Apocalypse is way out of character. We learned he's been experimenting on creating like creature hybrids. Uh, so there's like some stasis tubes with a bunch of like sea creature human people in them. Uh, who knows what happened to these guys? But this is not something. The apocalypse is out of character here. It's weird. And um, he, for some reason, is going to begin experimenting on Namor by flooding the chamber that he's in, the tube, with seawater. Again, out of character for apocalypse. Like a seawater rinse. Yes. 
like and, I and this is his fa- he failed to understand namor's powers which is weird i gotta do one line from apocalypse right before this he's talking about how angels lost to him because he goes because of the intervention by the children of xavier the x-men and then he mutters useless brats underneath <laughs> which is not something apocalypse would ever say <laughs> I, if apocalypse has never i haven't read that much with him but he's never struck me as the kind of character that would do that sort of thing under his breath like it's fun and it makes sense with some people but not not him like i i wonder what led ron mars to go to his fellow creators or his editor and be like all right my annual the villain apocalypse and they're like yeah like this this seems much more like why isn't this the high evolutionary or something like that like it's very odd that he's playing with an x character and out of those x characters he picked apocalypse like do you know who the villain needs to be here is this is namor deep dig dr lemuel dorcas if you know this guy wow that doesn't even sound like an an actual character jazz he he is an undersea he dorcas d-o-r-c-a-s uh he is an underwater like human guy who like makes genetic experiments I go look him up he's a kind of a fantastic villain but this should be dr dorcas that's who this should be and apocalypse is acting like a total dorcas here <laughs> he's ex- he's giving it all away like he has so many text bubbles he's going through his whole strategy like it's the very classic villain trope of like i'm going to reveal my whole plan for you right now very bond villain and uh, Namor busts out. He's like, seawater is my go-go juice. And I mean, he's looking very buff as the whoever is drawing him as the seawater is inching up his tube. Um, so yeah, he's getting a full rinse, full undercarriage flush. Like he's now he, ready for action. Using another Saturday morning cartoon reference, this is his gummy berry juice. He's ready yeah, yes. <laughs> all over uh, Apocalypse now. So then a fight ensues because this whole book is fights. So now Namor is fighting Apocalypse in a physical fight. Um, Assassin gets involved because she just stood around for a hot second. And then she's like, oh, well, I'm a program Cylon. I should probably defend my master. It's like she was either charging or just in standby mode in Mm. that black corset for reasons. I don't know. Uh, and uh, uh, Apocalypse makes his escape again, very Bond villain. He's like, oh, uh, assassin, you take care of him. Uh, I got to go swoosh as the doors close he on goes, him. He goes, parting is such sweet sorrow. Kill him. And then disappears. It's so weird. Like he gets one shot on Namor and then Namor throws a table that misses Apocalypse, but cracks a window in this underwater base. And Apocalypse sees how he's like, I know where this crack is going everywhere (laughs) and that's when he decides to bolt and then just leaves the assassin to fight namor as she's starting to glitch out the art on one of these pages is so bad i'm not going to name the artist but wow wow those eyes the gowron eyes from star trek the next generation um namor is wide-eyed and angry namor was not drawn with honor (laughs) yeah it's 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 real odd it's rough. Um, but then we get a really page, cool... Page 27, everybody. Page 27, yep. panels four through six. Go check it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but then the splash page on the next one is so good. Like the use of color and shading in the midst of this fight is awesome. Like it is prime early 90s neon. Um, this could be a blacklight poster all on its own if it really wanted to. It should be a blacklight like P and by numbers. You've got the blue window, the green water coming in, pink lighting for reasons. And then Namor in electric yellow very shaded yellow this is definitely one of those felted posters that you're like using markers um so the base explodes and the assassin survives but here's the plot in like one sentence or less apocalypse built a robot to look like a geisha to be a spy for him and then used her to lure namor into a trap so that he could try to create a new horseman, but then the base exploded because Apocalypse flooded Namor's chamber with seawater and didn't properly read his powers. The end. <sighs> and um, Assassin is left for dead? I mean, her one with one fewer arms than she had before this all started. Yes. And she's just hanging out on the seafloor now. And um, she's only appeared twice more in all of marvel history in twice more than she should have appeared (laughs) (laughs) deadpool assassin issue four as a hologram and then issue five where she's maybe destroyed Uh, and this is a cullen bunn series in 2018 which means there was a full quarter century before she ever showed up again and it was a deep dig ouch yeah um she had to, I mean, she was on the bottom of the ocean. She had to walk all that way for 25 years. <laughs> well, and she's um, in that story, she's part of the Assassin's Guild working for Belladonna alongside like a whole motley crew of weird villains. It's a, it's this character is weird. This is Apocalypse's weirdest story, <laughs> which says something. Oh, there's a, there's a pinup. There's a pinup because we have to tie in what's happening in the main story with the backup story so this is iron fist coming in here because ron mars also wrote iron fist it's like a weird page for a pinup there's doom looking doom yeah in the background iron fist to the side and then namor with very very big hair very big veiny muscles and uh, the, the smallest waist and the smallest waist and even big city's little waist <laughs> he's like a at a bodybuilding show where they have like the very tiny tiny thumbs and that's what he's doing well and this is reflecting the namor book at the time they had a big creative team change jay lee came in the artist who draws like this and there's a bunch of issues with this as the primary art style and a lot's going on with namor it's actually pretty great it's weird art because you're not expecting it, but when you read the issues, it's very dark, very shadowy, and it's very like muscly Namor with his like little t- tidy waist. It's I kind of love this era actually. The backup story featuring Iron Fist. We have a, this one is it doesn't even need a full sentence. Um, a temple has been attacked by the Chinese military. The Tibetan monks were massacred. And they invoked a demon. Which is reflecting real life events. China conquered Tibet and killed all these people. Yes. Um, What's not reflecting real life is the demon with candles on its head. And skull little (laughs) candle holders. Yeah, like he has nice little votives made of skulls. It's very Goro. Um, Oh no, Goro only had four arms. This dude's got six. 
Um, so uh, the He's only way and has purple splotches all over his green skin. This guy's gross. <laughs> Like, is he a diseased demon? Is he a pestilence demon? I don't no. know. And uh, the lettering they chose for his text is creative and inspired and also really hard to read. I couldn't tell which vowels were which. Yes. Um, the only way to destroy this demon and his um, questionable vowel usage is collapsing the entire monastery to preserve the relic. To preserve it, the Iron Fist has to destroy it. But also his friend Lo Sang died. And this is another of Marvel's many, many American savior stories, which is Iron Fist's entire background. But oh, yeah. the white guy with the connections to the monastery has to come in and deface their property while they all die. Like it's, yeah, yeah, we'll move yes. on. <laughs> um, we get a, a double page spread with Namor with a very pointy ear. Um, just, you could cut a loaf of bread with that here this is his uh, golden armor era i didn't even know that was a thing but sure yep, yep. he has like undersea ancient atlantean armor for a while That's all he really needs is his trunks though uh which we see on the next page where it's a flashback of him fighting the thing yeah he's getting gut punched we get the origin of the assassin well, the, and a, this, the thing here is in his original, like, lumpy clay form. Yeah. Before he turns into rocky form, which is something Byrne did a lot with in the Fantastic Four. Uh, yeah, and then and then we've got Assassin's Origins. Yeah, I'll let you... Which, it, it doesn't do a whole lot. Apocalypse is like, do you remember all those gods people used to think that I was? That was fun. <laughs> people Good thought time. I was... People thought that I was Sauru, the Persian prince, and also the jaguar war god, Makina Tabalam Ahau of the Mayan, and also Kalima, herald of Indian death. Uh, but what I really was, was a journeyman electrician, and <laughs> I, I decided to cook up a robot, and um, I named her the assassin, and she can take on many faces. And she's she, everything I desire. She's every woman, and um, it's all in her. And she can garrot, she can stab, she can do all the things. And now I lost her, and now she's walking on the bottom of the ocean. Getting, living that PBS coral reef documentary life. Yeah. This, and that's it. This annual's fun. It's really <laughs> stupid, but it's fun. Yes. <laughs> um, it was a really easy read. I had no, no knowledge of what Namor was up to in his main title. Um, does this make me want to read more Namor? I was just surprised that he had friends. Uh, fair. Namor, Namor's had like eight titles, you guys. And this one, this particular title ran for like 60 issues. I mean, he's got some continuity there. Yeah. Wow. And I have some of it. Um, I have the earlier issues from this run. So um, I think I'll, uh, I want to crack open more of that to see how we got to this place, to see the development of the character. I don't think that Assassin really needs anything more. Yeah, no, I'm done with her. The Namor, the Namor title, there's three things that are worth mentioning. He, this is when he establishes his Oracle headquarters. Uh, so he becomes like businessman Namor. This is the one that really uh, launches Namorita's origins into like she's the oh. clone of Namora, but also that's her mom. 
Uh, and there's a there's an era where Iron Fist comes back from the dead because there's these plant creatures in Kunlun called the Hill Three, who also have a Wolverine form, which is very Krakoa like. So those are some fun spots. If you want to look at this series, there's a little bit of X-Men stuff there. Cool. Awesome. Any other last words about this Namor annual before we put it to bed? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. I shake my head at you. (laughs) All right. So Chad, where can folks find you and what can they look forward to if they tune into your podcast? Yeah. Grimalk and Lane is Grimalk and PP like podcast on Twitter. Grimalk and underscore Lane on Instagram. We are doing uh, five episodes a month on the main show four issue reviews with professional uh, guests and uh, one character trial. Uh, We also have a Patreon channel. Uh, we're having a great time. Come check us out. And everyone should find us on Instagram. We are at X Factor Files Podcast. We are posting images from all of these issues as we go through to try to entice people to at least listen to our episode, if not read the annual, because reading all these annuals, it's it's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> 64 page annuals, um, even when they're padded with like a dozen pinups, as some of them are. Some of the text is dense. It is. How many bubbles do we need for you to go off on your evil plan? I don't know, but maybe people should tune into our next episode to figure out how many bubbles it takes to describe something. Yes. All right, everyone. We'll catch you next time. See ya. Bye. Bye.